Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Grass weed control has become more important on all tillage farms in recent years. It's estimated that over 80% of tillage land has a population of wild oats. So controlling these wild oats is becoming even more challenging now with the emergence of herbicide resistance in small numbers of populations around the country. However, it's also worrying that these populations are scattered across a number of counties. The increase in other problematic weeds such as sterile brome and canary grass have added to the farm challenges. Farmer interest in non-plough based establishment systems is increasing year on year. However, converting to these systems takes quite a bit of learning by the farmer. The Chagas ECT project has been working with a number of farmers across the country who are looking at these different establishment systems. The recent ECT webinar caught up with a number of these farmers who have converted to non-plough based systems and the questions and answer session is worth listening to again. The first of these questions and answer sessions, Kieran Collins, a Chagas specialist in Cork who chaired this session, was joined by Jamie Staples, the ECT project advisor, and John Pettit, a tillage advisor in Wexford, and also Simon Neville, a farmer from Wexford. Kieran first asked Jimmy to explain a little about the ECT focus farms and what we are learning from these focus farms so far. Yeah, so we have a network of 10 focus farms sort of geographically spread right across the country. So going from Mallow up to up to Hardy and Loudon down to down to Wexford. Um, so the 10 of them would be, I suppose, that have their own establishment system. We, we've, we've everything from plough all the way over to direct drill and, and, and no to within those 10 farmers. And each of them would have their own uh, different grass weed challenges as well. So we, we talk about the four key grass weeds we're looking at within the project would be sterile brome. Uh, wild oats, black grass and canary grass and there will be other grass weeds on those farms as well so what each of the farmers has is sort of pinpointed a, a specific field on the farm where they have a particular problem and what we're doing is is working with them to try and come up with solutions to try and solve that problem and reduce the grass weed challenge on the farm and you know we're trying to we're using those as a platform to demonstrate how you can go about um, implementing effective grass weed control in all these different types of systems. Okay, very good. Thanks, Jimmy, for that kind of useful summary there for people that mightn't be familiar with the project. Simon, if I can, if I can maybe start with you. Uh, obviously, you you gave up ploughing about about ten years ago, and you spoke in the video there about some of your your main grass weed issues there. Canary grass feature quite a bit, and and brome. But just in terms of of your cultivation system, maybe what depth are you cultivating to? And just the second one that just struck me, you, you made a decision to change your drill or what prompted that or what, what, what system has worked best for you, Simon? I suppose the reason we changed the drill was probably TAMS, just to put, cut it short, Kira. Okay. But um, sure, we changed, like, we go deep if we have to, as deep and as light as possible, really, Yes. to cover ground. Like we could go down 8, 10, 12 inches maybe for, for a problem area with compaction or being damaged by trailers or with harvest, whatever. Okay. So you're, you're, you're daring the depth of cultivation depending on the situation that you find yourself in, really, I suppose. That's the... Well, that's true. And soil type too, like in, yeah. around at home here would be very sandy and loose. So there's no real need to go for a big depth. Like yeah. we get two or three inches of soil and cover very easily. Yeah. Whereas we go to heavier soil, we probably have to go deeper to try and break it up like to get a bit of drainage and cover as well, I suppose, or mixing yeah. trash. Like yeah. where we'd have a bit of an issue. We don't like too much trash left on land for winter crops. We find 
like the crows are on it the whole time. I don't know if they're after slugs or seeds or what they're after, but you seem to have bear patches where you let it trash any Okay, okay. So you're That's you're adapting this. Sorry, Simon. Yeah, you're da- adapting your system to suit the conditions, as you say, and soil type is the yeah on the day. Yes. Yeah, Jimmy. I suppose canary grass was one that you mentioned quite a bit, and 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 Simon and John there in the video. I suppose it's a it's a weed that I suppose so it's it's regarded sometimes as not a problem because we are getting good control. But how much do we really know about canary grass? I would always have perceived it as being a spring germinator, but I know from what you're finding in the project, it, it quite a bit of it germinates in the autumn as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what we're seeing on the farm here. I suppose we we don't know a huge amount about it. Like it's not there's not a huge amount of research done in our climate or even done in the UK on it, as it doesn't seem to be a big problem over there. Uh, so we're sort of limited enough, really. It's you know what we're what we know about is probably coming from a farm in a lot of respects. So we have it. There's a couple of the farmers in the project who have a touch of it, Simon and, and another farm in Kildare. And what what I'm seeing when I'm on the farms, canary grass is always ger- germinate in the autumn as well. Um, now I couldn't give you say look 50% of it germinate in the autumn, 50% of it germinate in the spring. I, I couldn't tell you that, for instance. But what I'm seeing is a very staggered germination pattern. Even just looking at what happened in Simon's this year. It was germinating early, early April and even into late April. And some people say even, you know, if you're growing spring barley, a lot of people are a little bit wary of when to put on a wild oat spray because they're afraid they're going to miss a flush of it mm-hmm. a little bit later in the season. So it has a very, seems to have a very staggered and protected germination pattern. We don't know a huge amount about um, its competitiveness, the amount of seed it produces and things like that. And, and through the ECT project, my colleagues, Vijay and David, who are doing um, trial work up in Oak Park are doing a lot of work on that at the moment to try and understand it a bit more so that we can start to come up with, with solutions to to the challenge that it presents. Okay, and, and like we do obviously have some degree of resistance to wild oats with some of our main wild oat herbicides. Any indications, Jimmy, of resistance with canary grass? Not currently. I haven't come across it myself here in Ireland, but if you look at some of the research that's been done now, a lot of this has been done over in the likes of, of India and Pakistan, where it's a problem in, in, in wheat rice uh, rotations, but there is reports of resistance in those places. So it's not, you know, the, the possibility is there, I suppose. And, and, and like I said in the video, that's where we, we potentially have that issue. Like we're, we're very, very reliant, particularly on continuous spring barley rotations on Axial or Axial Pro to, to control this. And if we do have resistance developing you know that's what that's where you start to worry when, we're, when you're so re- heavily reliant on one single active okay okay thanks jimmy and john john pettit um john if i can come to you i suppose one thing that you highlighted there in the video was the diverse rotation now that that simon has on his farm um and i suppose you know rotation is obviously one of the key areas in overcoming some of these grass weed challenges but i suppose john inter- from your perspective as an advisor you know, is this more profitable for growers or have, what have you noticed in terms of people who have, we'll say, a broader, more diverse rotation now? I suppose, Kieran, if you're to look at Simon's farm, like there's, there's a mixture of soil types, like ranging from light sandy soils to some very heavy soils on the farm. So like the addition of crops such as winter wheat, um, beans, spring beans and winter oilseed rape, right, um, like has, they're better suited, those crops are better suited to heavier soil types more so than say your, your, your typical spring barley is grown in County Wexford. And I suppose if you to look at over the last four years between 2017 and 2020, um, if you to look at what those crops have actually brought to the bottom line of the farm from a financial perspective. Um, in 2020, oilseed rape was the most profitable crop on the farm. Um, in 2017 and 2018, 
uh, winter wheat um, was the most profitable crop on the farm. And in 2019 and 2020, uh, spring beans were, were actually the third most profitable crop on the farm in, in both years. So. Okay. Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, in, in other words, that diverse rotation is, is helping the overall profitability at that rate. Um, Simon, I have to come back to you on that one in terms of, I suppose, labour efficiency. Have you found now, we'll say in terms of you're more labour efficient now than you would have been when you were, say, predominantly spring cropping? Oh, it would be, Kieran. yeah. The workload is spread much better. Like, well, in one sense, you're better. Anyhow, yeah, you would be better. Yeah, yeah, okay. And it, you, you, you have obviously the mix of winter and spring, which is allowing you to spread your... your, your well, that's true. Spread the harvest, spread the risk yeah. to an extent as well. Like, Yeah, very good. It's often a problem get winter crops in or okay. Yeah. Like in 19, we had a first problem. Like we literally got no need. Yeah, with all great plans, but nothing happened. The weather blocked it off. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the best laid plans, the weather can scupper them, obviously. But that's least, true. That's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. And and just in terms of, I suppose Jimmy mentioned in terms of resistance there, like we'll say, obviously the the fact that you have beans and rape in the system now, it is offering you alternatives or alternative ways of controlling grass weeds, isn't it? That's right, yeah. And rye as well is actually a help too, like because you can use Broadway Star for some of the some things as well, like for brooms, etc. Okay. okay. Wild oats, hopefully. In the final questions and answers section, the panel was joined by Kieran Hickey, a tillage advisor from Wexford. Kieran Collins asked Kieran Hickey about wild oats spreading in fields and are the patches getting bigger year on year? No, uh, <clears throat> luckily enough now they seem to have um stayed pretty much in the areas where they were detected. That was the big fear that Simon mentioned there earlier about the um, how quickly the, the canary grass can kind of spread its way through the farm. But in fairness, <clears throat> the wild oats, that's really, they, they started out as small patches and they've got a little bit bigger. But I don't know whether it's the fact that the lads have become more aware of them or they just naturally stay in those areas, but they haven't spread over the whole farm. That's one good thing. But within the patches, you'd notice, and Jimmy might comment on this as well, um, in the barley, where they're not getting control, they can get very thick and they can start to take over. Whereas after a couple of applications, you know, of something that's killing them, the likes of the Broadway or Pacifica, um, they do tend to get thinned out but you can nearly go back to the same place year after year and say, this is where I'm going to find my resistant wild loads. Okay, thanks, Kieran And Jimmy, the obvious question back to you is, how did this problem start? Um, well, Garrett, as Garrett was saying, like, it's probably going on there about 10 years, but it was very, I suppose it was a very fl- slow progress. Just over time, we started to notice that the axle just wasn't, they weren't getting the same control with the axle as they had been getting. Um, so it seems it, it, it actually looks like the, the the resistance actually just developed on the farm over a very extended period of time and gradually, 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 it became to the stage where they were getting no no control of the axle pro or the axle as it was, I suppose, then. Okay, okay. Um, I just want to, to get, uh, maybe I might throw this one to you, John Pettit, just from the, the Q&A there. Um, there's kind of two questions in one here in relation to what do the panel think about, say, conservation agriculture techniques or even mintil as specified in the in the, the question here in heavy land. Uh, is this possible, John, or what, what's your opinion on it? 
Um, it is, Karen, but I suppose uh, mintulate is, is, you can use it on any soil type really, but I suppose you have to break it down to two different crop types to spring and winter crops. And in both cases, it's about, it's about managing moisture. So in the autumn time, you're looking to keep moisture away from seed and developing seedling and let it establish appropriately over the, the autumn time. So a play was going to be very forgiving in that situation. It's going to, we want to have eight inches of uh, freely trained soil and the play was cultivated itself. And this water will readily get away from a plant or, or seed. Um, in the case of mintil, um, soil, soil is more consolidated. So um, it's not as, as altogether free draining as a plow-based system. Um, and you'll notice as well when you go in on after, if you're spraying on a, on, on, on a field that's been plowed, it's inclined to be looser um, for that reason as well. But then I suppose the next step is strip till or min till. In the case of strip till, you just have a slot cut in the ground. And if you've got heavy soil, heavy soil type um, water, if you've got a lot of rainfall, water's going to come back up at the developing seedling and have, a, have an impact on establishment then thereafter. I suppose like from a spring perspective, there's more potential for min till in a spring perspective than what there is in, in, um, in the autumn. Um, because in the springtime, you're looking to retain moisture, right? And a mintail system will enable you to do that better than what you would do with do uh, with play with such. So I think you have to first of all, if you're looking at giving systems, what may suit you? Um, you have to look at what what you're actually growing. Is it a spring or winter crop? Um, and the answer in either case will differ. But again, Karen, I suppose the main point is like we hear about uh, strip till, mintail, and whatnot. For a guy that's growing 250, 300 acres um, of cereals let that be spring and combination of winter, spring, or all winter, all spring. There's no reason why a guy um, can't establish all that on a plow-based system. And a plow-based system will offer you so much more in terms of grass weed control. And the only reason why an individual should look to moving towards, say, an alternative establishment system would purely come down to workload and getting over work. Okay, thanks, John. Simon, I, I might go to you as a practitioner on the, on the panel here in terms of what you have found, um, you're obviously happy with the system that you have at the moment. Um, and I suppose sometimes people will talk about maybe the conversion from a plow base to say mintil maybe initially and, and further on from there. H how did you find that on your farm? I found it relatively straightforward, like, because when I was plowing, I was sandy soil at home here, like, it was too loose and too soft to do with. When we went to Mintil, like you had a much firmer seed bed, like with no erosion, with wind or sandstorms, with yeah. little or none. Whereas with ploughing, like it was unreal. You could cover the hedges sometimes, like with a sandstorm. Yeah. So, like the, the Mintil definitely helped that one. And as for the heavy land, like drainage, I think it's nearly better with grubbing than ploughing. Like it tends, to, it tends to slump back down when you plow it. Like whereas when you mix trash and stuff up, and it's the the soil holds itself better. I think mm -hmm. when you plow it, like it just kind of just slumps down. Now it can happen grubbing too. Like of course. So, but that's what I found. Like yeah. You 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 found that you have a better soil structure essentially as a result. Oh God, of yes, the, yes, the, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Definitely sand, anyway. Yeah, and with. Heavier land seems to get maybe drier for the want of a better description. Mm -hmm. I understand. And, yeah. and better drainage in it, like. Okay. Thank, thanks for I that. Think. 
Thanks for that, Simon. No, very thanks. Very useful, um, lads. There's just there's two questions again. I'm I'm, go, I'm going to put together in in one. And Jimmy, I'll, I'll I'll put this one in your direction in relation to I suppose the sources of, of some of these grass weeds. I know we've seen in in the two videos, particularly the likes of Brome, obviously, and the management of Brome coming from headlands. But I suppose this question really asks in terms of of seed. You know, um, are some of these issues coming in? maybe imported seed or home safe seed. We obviously know that there's a very strong certification system here run by the department, which is which is excellent. But have you found maybe that seed has been some of the sources, Jimmy, in, in some of the farms? Uh, you couldn't say for, you couldn't say 100%. Um, like a lot, of, a lot of these problems were there before I got in there. So I, I don't I don't know for sure. I didn't see 100% for myself that some of these problems came in the seed, but that's not to say they didn't. Um, I suppose, like you say, the, the seed certification here in Ireland is, is, is world class, really. Like we have zero tolerance for most of the grass weeds, whether it be wild oats, black grass or brome. So and it's very unusual for, for any of those crops to be certified if there's any of those problems in them. Um, I think maybe part of the problem might be when you're importing seed from the UK, uh, particularly red label seed. If you look at if you look at the guidelines, there is a tolerance in those seeds, in those in those crops for grass weeds. So they can't guarantee that they're 100% um, grass weed free unless unless you're to go and get them independently tested. So it's just something to be very aware of. Um, when it comes to home saving, I don't, you you would hope at this stage that most people. They realise when they're home saving seed, they need to be picking the fields that are very, very clean from grass weeds. Because, mm-hmm. as Garrett said himself, like you just need to be very careful uh, where you're home saving from because the potential to spread problems across the farm is there. Like, yeah, okay. So the message there is you, you have to know your source and and certify it. Obviously, is best from what you're yeah, you're finding. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's fine. I suppose again on on the on the spread of 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 weeds, really, Kieran Hickey, I might come to you on this one. I suppose. It has been mentioned in some of the videos in relation to machinery hygiene and the importance of, you know, leaving a weed problem in the field that it's in. Kieran, you might just elaborate on that and maybe some of the issues that you've seen in your area. Yeah, I've I've seen it firsthand where a baler went into a field and uh, there was actually in this case, there was canary grass in the field and the baler managed to pick up the canary grass in the field. Then it travelled to another field and like there, it didn't seem to be a huge amount of debris in the baler, as in the baler was, you know, kind of cleaned down, not too bad. But I think as Jimmy alluded to there as well, these are very small seeds and they seem to filter their way down through the baler. And what we noticed was where they germinated, it was where the baler stopped, the bale chucked out the back, gave the baler a shake, and they ended up with these small little patches that were starting to appear in fields. And this is the big thing about the detection. And I think Simon illuminated to it as well that, you know, you see this small little thing in in the field and it looks very harmless. Like it's only starts off very small and then all of a sudden, boom, you have this problem on the farm. So I think identification is key. But if you can stop it coming in, like I've seen a few um, people now and they're rigging up airlines from tractors or airlines from accumulators on machines or in, in one case a person has put a box on the side of the baler where he carries around a, a, a leaf blower you can get them in a battery format now as well and they're just blowing down the machine as they leave from one area to, to the next and it's really really important because the balers like 
particularly with big square balers, very big machines, very big price tag. They have to cover big areas. So if you think about a square baler, it's covering parishes, not farms. So, you know, the potential for these to spread around multiple farms and to be sieving out these grass weeds and bringing them. So I think cleaning them down is so, so important um, because, you know, as Jimmy has said there, we're not dealing with one grass weed anymore. There's a menu of them there now, and they're all really expensive to control and can really dominate. Like, really, you're farming away, and next thing you have the problem, and you have to farm around this new problem. So it's a big, big change in your, your the way you do things. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Kieran. And and Simon, I, I might come to you on that one. Like, what has kind of worked well for you and your farm in terms of practicalities of cleaning down machinery or or stopping obviously the spread from field to field of of grass weed issues? Well, we kind of try to finish up maybe with the dirtier field like here, if that was possible. And as the leaf blower is used as well, maybe to blow it down, then there's always the issue of time. Like if it's a real fine day and it's rain tomorrow, you not you tend to rush onto the next field and that's it, like human nature. It's hard to yeah. sit on the headland <laughs> trying to clean out a machine. It's not very practical cleaning out a combine. I find like, uh, you know, it's, it's a day's work. And there'll still be seeds left in her. Mm. They're not easy clean. Or yeah. I've seen it come in in balers, problems come in in balers too, everywhere the bale dropped, the first bale dropped, like I've seen a problem. And maybe so on, second, third bale, whatever. Definitely an issue with balers, more so to combines maybe. Yeah, so maybe balers is the big issue to get them cleaned down or kick out the last bale, leave it in the field before you, you go on to the, the Do next field. you know what to say? Work. Yes, it must be. Yeah, it must be. Okay, okay. Um, Jimmy, I, I, I'm going to go back to you and I know we're, we're going to cover this one in, in the next webinar as well, but both in relation to, to resistance, I suppose one question here from, from Ali is about um, he's noticed poor performance of Pacifica this year. Um, I'm not sure in relation to what weed, I'm assuming it's, it's probably brome there. Uh, and also there's another question in relation to is the, win is the resistance in both the winter and spring uh, wild oat? Um, just in relation to the to the herbicides, I have been in crops this year where I have seen less than satisfactory results with using ALS herbicides like the Broadway Star and like Specifica Plus. But I I I think it's more of a year effect because I've I've come across other people have said the same thing, and then I've come across other people said they said they got very good control with those products as well. The areas where I've seen poor control is where you've had really really heavy infestations. Um, so that's, but I, I, I don't believe it's resistance. I think it's more of a, a year effect. I think it was just, everybody knows like April was a very difficult year for, or even late March, very difficult year for getting spraying done. Um, in relation to the resistant wild oats, the samples we've tested have all been spring germinating wild oats. Mm. If you go to the UK, they have found, they actually find that there's more resistance in the winter germinating wild oat. Mm. Uh, so resistance can be in both, uh, so far, what we have found has been spring in Ireland, spring germinating wild oats, or what we're finding to be resistant in Ireland okay. so far. And the level of winter winter wild oats in Ireland is questionable as well. Um, like we really don't know for sure 
how much winter white lotter is in this country. We've never done never done any survey work on it, so we're not. Okay, no, that w- that was going to be my next question. Um, and and just to, you are testing the likes of Pacifica and those actives in terms of resistance as well. That's part of the. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So white oats, any of the white oats we tested, as well as the the likes of your Falcon and your Stratus and the actual have also been tested to the likes of Pacifica and those type of products, and we found no resistance in white oats to any of those ALS herbicides. Uh, worryingly enough, we have come across a number of populations of sterile brome that are shown increasing tolerance to the likes of your Pacifica Plus and your Broadway Star, uh, particularly at half rates, uh, which is which is worrying. Okay, okay. And Jimmy, while while you're on there, and I know it's 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 the big topic for for the next webinar is blackgrass, but just to maybe have a, maybe a few comments on it there. The question the the person asked here, how much of a problem is blackgrass? And um, this person is hearing of heavy infestations in the Northeast. Now, I know the next webinar is from the Northeast, but yeah. you might maybe just uh, have a few words on it. Um, I think I think we're only, I think we're, I'm, I'm very concerned about the level of black grass in the country. I think we're only sort of seeing the tip of the iceberg at the moment. I've, I feel an awful lot of phone calls last year, last week, just in relation to people finding, finding black grass. And I think it's, it's hard to get a it's hard to get a gauge on it because you, you ring you ring around you talk to merchants you talk to farmers you you talk to the the advisors in Chagas and a lot of people are probably not that they're burying their head in the sand but either they don't realise they have it or they don't want to admit they have it um, which is part of the problem in trying to identify how much of it is actually in this country I think there's more of it in the country that they're aware of and when it comes there is a problem in the northeast with it uh, it's definitely probably of all the regions of the of this country uh, the northeast is probably the most heavily infected from what I can gather hear what I'm hearing and yeah. seeing the figures I've seen so that's it for the tillage edge and my thanks to Kieran Collins and all the panel the full webinar with excellent footage of farms can be viewed on the Chagas Crops YouTube channel. Just Google it and you'll find it there. The next in this series of ECT webinars is on June the 22nd from the Northeast with a focus on black grass and brome. And the final one is on July the 6th from Cork with a focus on sterile brome, black grass and ryegrass. All events will start at 11.30am. As I mentioned over the past number of weeks, the Oak Park Open Day will take place on June the 30th and July the 1st. You can only attend by booking first and details of how to do this are on the Chagas website. And for all of these events, check out chagas.ie forward slash events. So finally, don't forget if you like this podcast then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.